Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's so much going on in the self-care space because honestly, people really need it. We're seeing huge spikes in depression and anxiety and other mental health conditions. And so we're really seeing employers globally start to prioritize mental health as serious business. And I think it's so important because people are not okay right now and employers are recognizing that they employ whole people. They don't just employ robots that turn up to their jobs and leave their concerns behind. Kate Spies is a health and wellness guru. She's the editor-in-chief of Well and Good, one of the most read lifestyle and news publications in the world, committing to delivering cutting-edge health and wellness news. Kate is a returning guest and one of my favorites on the Not Perfect podcast. And just like last time, she's back ready to share with us her wellness forecasting for the year ahead. I know we're all wellness obsessed, but sometimes it's so easy to go down rabbit holes, we're not sure where we're going, and be told wrong information or find good information, it can be quite confusing. So thankfully, Kate is here to clear up some of the confusion. So what health, wellness and self-care and fitness trends we'll be seeing in 2022 is a mystery. And luckily, Kate has a crystal ball. Well and Good's annual trends report offers insight into what we'll see in our future. And I can't wait to find out more. So I asked you these first three questions last time, and I'm going to ask you them again because maybe they have changed since the the last answers you gave. What is a recent favorite quote you have been returning to? There is a quote that I saw actually just this morning that I really loved. It was from Adam Grant, and he was saying the essence of his quote was that it's so often people who are constantly striving and bigging themselves up that we support, and actually we need to start looking further and looking beyond that stereotype of success and supporting those people who are achieving things more quietly. And I thought that it was such a great sentiment and really sums up so many of the issues that as a society and a culture we've been talking about for the last 24 plus months. I have to say, I have never heard a quote that spoke to that shared on the Not Perfect podcast. And I absolutely love that. I really feel that introverts haven't had the celebration they've needed just for being just as stellar creators and visionaries that just don't care to be as loud about it. Exactly. I think we have this stereotype that entrepreneurs or CEOs or any version of success needs to be loud and boisterous and demanding of attention. And it's wild to think that because we've all kind of internalized that, that many people don't think that they can be hugely successful because they may not be the most extroverted person. And also that there are all these people we're leaving behind just because they don't look like this traditional form of success. And I think to your point, it's a real shame and people are not getting the attention they deserve. So I thought it was a great thought from him. 
Wow. Wow. Real golden nugget dropped in the first five minutes. Thank you so much for that. What's a life lesson you've been reminded of recently? Recently, and when I say recently, really over the last 18 months, I am constantly, almost daily reminded that the most important thing is relationships, that the people that I surround myself with are really everything, you know, and you could have all the success and riches and comfort in the world. But if you're not sharing that with people you love, it really doesn't mean very much. Really, really love that. I think we can all take so much away from that. And how do you understand the soul? That is such a great question. I think the soul is really the essence, the way I understand it is it's the essence of our being. So who you are deep in your core, the way you like to carry yourself, the things that you truly believe. To me, that's the soul. And honestly, I don't know if it lives on past us. I am not a religious person and I would like to think there is an afterlife, but I have no idea. But for the living, I think that the soul is really those things that you hold so deep inside you and you know to be true. What a beautiful answer. Thank you so much. So let's dive into the wellness report and some of the things that you have been seeing on it and maybe the things also that we're going to be leaving behind. So I thought we would begin with self-care. What do you think is going to be happening next year in the world of self-care? There's a lot happening in self-care and this year we found it really hard, honestly, to narrow down the trends we wanted to cover. We try to make sure it's really curated. We can't cover everything, but there is so much going on in the self-care space because honestly, people really need it. We're seeing huge spikes in depression and anxiety and other mental health conditions. And so lots of different sectors of health and wellness are coming to meet people with the things that they need to support them. So we're really seeing, as one example, employers globally start to prioritize mental health as serious business. So they really understand, given momentums like the big quit or the great resignation. So many people right now anecdotally are leaving their jobs. They understand, employees are understanding that to keep people satisfied, to keep them feeling supported, they need to be really providing mental health benefits in the same way that previously physical health has been provided by employers in the United States. So this looks like access to apps, to therapy, companies building whole platforms to really support the mental health of their employees. And we're seeing it really within businesses of every scale. And I think it's so important because people are not okay right now and employers are recognising that they employ whole people. They don't just employ robots that turn up to their jobs and leave their concerns behind. Where do you think the responsibility lies? Is it the person or is it the employer? It's a great question. And I think about this a lot as someone who runs a team of 40 people who I care about very much, but also I'm only one person and I know that I can't support every single one of their needs all the time. I think that employers have a huge responsibility to provide a safe work environment and to provide as many tools as possible to support the people that work for them. And so in the US in particular, 
most companies, the majority of companies of a certain size offer health insurance that really runs the gamut of physical health. You know, people really understand that employers are responsible for providing that benefit, yet they haven't taken the same approach to mental health. And we all know, and I think the world has woken up to the fact that physical and mental health are just as important as each other. And so I do think that there is a level of responsibility that employers hold to make sure that if people are struggling and if they need help, that they have an accessible way to kind of discover and engage with tools that will help them. And then, of course, there's a level of personal responsibility of people need to be doing the work in their own lives to ensure that they're also supporting themselves as as well as they can. What else are we seeing in self-care trends, especially for people who, you know, there's uh, with the great resignation, we're seeing a lot more freelancers, we're seeing a lot more self-employed. Who looks after them? Or how do they look after themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. On a similar kind of tangent, we're seeing a ton of financial wellness apps entering the market. It's really there was a great observation by one of the experts we spoke to for this trend, and they said mental health has been appified. We've seen physical health appified. So lots of different areas have already had this influx of apps, yet people have not applied that same theory previously to financial well-being. And for anyone who lives in this world, money stress is very real. It has a huge impact on people. And also an inability to manage finances and an inability to be able to spend on the things that are going to support a happy and healthy life is a huge problem. And so we're seeing a new wave of financial apps that are really aimed at underserved groups. So the elderly, gig workers, groups that just haven't been traditionally supported by big banks. And so I think that that is an incredible step forward because it's empowering them to have their finances right at their fingertips and to be able to not only educate if if that's a gap that they need, but also to be able to invest. You know, there has not been, for an example, a focus on female investment. And Mm. yet we now see all of these apps coming to the market and getting a lot of VC money. So we think that next year there is going to be a real revolution in the financial app space. And I think that will really help empower people in a new and important way. Yeah, and very much address, to your point, stress levels, because a lot of, and I can't think of the statistic right now, but finance and de-stress contributes significantly to mental health. Huge. So I have to say, I've seen some of those trends, seen some of those companies that are being funded, and I do find it a very exciting arena, especially as someone who really hasn't been particularly good at like keeping up to date with being a great investor or even knowing about that sort of stuff, being in total honesty. So it's a huge interest that's peaked of mine. So I'm really excited to see that that's on your trend report. To your point, I haven't been someone who has been necessarily hugely savvy about finances. And I do think as women, it just hasn't Mm. traditionally been encouraged. I just don't think that we receive the same support and education as men do. And so part of this trend is addressing that because there is absolutely no reason you know, I'd like to consider you and I as two successful yeah. people. And there is absolutely no reason that we shouldn't be as financially savvy and as financially confident as our male, our counterparts. male counterparts. Yeah, yeah exactly. As all the dudes that we work with. <laughs> yeah. 
Shall we move on to fitness or is there anything you'd like more like to point out with what's coming up in self-care? There's one other thing that I feel is really important to mention, and that is that over a billion people will soon experience menopause, yet Mm. menopause has been shrouded in secrecy, in shame, which, again, thinking about the male and female experience or not to speak in such binaries, kind of a woman and femme experience versus kind of cis male experience It is wild how underserved this group has been. And it's really interesting because the boomers really have been stiff upper lip. They were really taught that things are the way that they are and you just have to make the best of it. You know, I know my mom was very much like I'm going through menopause, but I just have to get on with it. And then we see Gen Xs moving into peri and menopause and they're like, no way, why on earth? Should I not be able to see a doctor who is dedicated to menopausal experience and being able to help me through that? And why is there no literature and why are there no products to support me? So now we're really seeing education platforms, various different products to help the symptoms of menopause and also online communities for support. And I think just like many other areas have been destigmatized by Gen X, so women in working mothers, women going through fertility issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they're now taking that same approach to menopause. And I think it's super positive. That is one of the most promising trends because it's so, a time in life where people feel so alone. And do you see that trend happening because those that are now moving into the age group of perimenopause, they also have been empowered to set up companies? Exactly. So we're seeing this entrepreneurial generation reach this point. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And there are so many incredible Gen X women starting companies in this space exactly to your point because they have done that traditionally and they've been empowered to do so and we're seeing people like Stacey London you know so well-known people and celebrities also investing in this space which always helps because I think as soon as a celebrity talks about it our celebrity obsessed culture means that you know people find it more interesting and and pay attention. And is this also a reflection that finally, hopefully, VC world has more women making decisions? I hope so. I think that, you know, the stats here are still pretty atrocious. I think it's less than 5% of VC money goes to women-founded companies. Obviously, it's even less for Mm. companies founded by women of colour. So the stats are still atrocious, but hopefully we are seeing more women move into funding roles at venture capital companies. And then also, I do think that the VC industry is waking up to the fact that women and femme founders are amazing. You know, every study ever proves that women are better at multitasking, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I also think that there is a growing awareness that for sectors like women's health, it just makes no sense. And in fact, is incredibly discriminatory to be funding men who are trying to kind of solve a women's issue. So hopefully lots more kind of good VC money moving into this space and particularly to female founded companies. What about fitness? What is going to be happening with fitness? Because I feel like last year it was 
the kind of rise of Peloton. And I'm just not sure if we're going to see that again. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so the fitness vertical is so interesting to me because it's really been accelerated by a decade. You know, some of the advancements we've seen in fitness over the last 18 months just would not have happened if people were not forced home, forced out of gyms, et cetera. And so what we're really seeing for next year is some exciting developments that are feeling like the third wave of digital fitness. So we had, you know, workout streaming online. Then to your point, we had the boom of hardware and companies like Peloton and Mirror really doing incredibly well on a sales front. And now this third wave is really centered around personalization. Mm. So people are missing the in-class experience and missing working IRL with personal trainers who can form correct and who can really make sure that they're doing the best exercise for them and they're performing those exercises in a way that is safe. And so we're seeing AI technology layered onto lots of different at-home devices, but also even just within apps that you can download on your iPhone, where in real time and a trainer, whether it's someone, you know, an actual human being or an AI created trainer will form correct you. So they're able to pick up on movement and give you corrections as you go, which I think is so cool because, you know, at home fitness is incredible because it's accessible and it's meant that so many people can try things they hadn't tried before. However, there is a level of Danger is too strong of a word, but it's not necessarily always as safe, particularly if you're doing things like heavy weightlifting, as if you were doing it with a trainer. So I think this is a really cool development. Yeah. For me personally, I find it really difficult to work out by myself. I find it much easier if I know a class is at a certain time, whether that's online or physical. So I think if I knew someone was actually there, I probably would be much better at committing to my workout. Yeah, we heard that so much from our audience. And I think that's a huge piece driving this as well, that accountability factor of Mm. kind of of having a partner with you and to coach you through. And just touching on that element of being in a class and being in community, another really exciting development in the fitness space is that so many of the big brands really from Peloton to CrossFit, the list goes on, are investing in becoming more one-stop shops for well-being in its totality. So these brands have obviously been incredibly competent at providing fitness services to their audience. And now they're seeing that people, again, are really missing that in-club experience where maybe you had a juice bar, maybe you had a spa, maybe you had an area to sit and chat to people. And so one really cool example is CrossFit. So they have been very quietly investing in the way that they expand their offering. And they actually launched a new medical arm of the company where all of the doctors, so trained MDs, are also CrossFitters themselves. And so they're able to treat patients in a kind of general practitioner capacity, but also through the lens of understanding their CrossFitters and understanding the kinds of things they do to their body because it's obviously a very intense sport. And then they're also looking at nutrition and providing nutrition plans to people. And then, of course, CrossFit has always had this big community element. So I think it's really interesting to see how these brands are trying to become more than just 
fitness providers, essentially. Really interesting. Are there any more trends um, you'd like to mention in fitness or should we move on to health? I'll mention really, really quickly one one last thing in fitness, just because I think it's kind of funny because we try to every year call the modality that we think is going to be biggest. And it was honestly really hard this year because I think everyone is trying a bit of everything. And so when we were doing our research and talking to experts, the modality that kept coming up was spinning. And we're like, but that's not new. Everyone's been spinning forever. But really what we're seeing is that spinning is just consistently year after year showing its staying power. And it just really dominates as the modality of choice for many, many people. And so we're seeing brands like Obey, which is a big kind of at-home fitness brand here in the US, adding spinning classes, even though they don't offer hardware. We're then seeing you know, the spinning first brands like Peloton adding gamified spinning to really take that experience up a level. And I just think that it's funny that what's old is new again. And some of these core fitness modalities, no matter what happens, no matter whether people are spinning at home or they are able to safely go back to gyms, it's just staying on top. So I kind of like that. I like spinning and I'm like, good on you spinning, staying popular. (laughs) I have to say, I really like that comment, you know, what is old is new. And it feels like Sometimes in wellness, yes. we've had this burst of all this newness when actually we just go to back to old age things that have been in people's lives for decades. And bizarrely, that is probably the only thing I will really pay for is a spinning class Same. because I love Soul Cycle and I love the totally. music. Good vibes. <laughs> yeah. I do think sometimes it's more impactful than my therapy. Yeah, no, there is nothing like I feel like that about Soul Cycle, also about a dance class, which I just haven't been able to do for ages, but nothing makes me happier than going to a dance class, whether it's like a fitness dance class or you're actually, you know, going to like learn a pretty easy routine. I literally walk out beaming because sometimes it is just such a great antidote to stress to just go and move your body to music. And I think soul is really based on that idea. Totally agree with you. I feel great that that trend is here to stay. Yes. So health, I'm fascinated. I feel like health is a thing we obviously talk about the entire time because of the threat, I guess, we've all been under. So what are we going to be seeing in health trends next year? Exactly to your point, a ton of innovation here because everyone's thinking about it and everyone is seeing just how important it is. And one very, very positive trend happening in health, which you know, honestly is very US centric because of the pretty broken healthcare system here, but hybrid healthcare models are now meeting people where they are and offering more human centered health. And so what that means is it's really, you pay for the value that you get. So traditionally it's a very complex area. So I'm going to try and kind of explain it as simply as possible, but traditionally in the US, you pay a huge amount to an insurance company every month to just get access to healthcare just in case you need it. And so growing up in Australia or Poppy, you being British, Mm. my concept of healthcare is that there is a baseline that should be free and accessible to everyone. And then, of course, if there are 
added kind of more complicated things that you need, then there is a discussion around payment. And so these healthcare models are trying to move more towards that model for US patients. So a really good example is a company called One Medical. It was founded actually quite a few years ago, but is seeing really accelerated growth. And we predict we'll continue to see that over 2022 because you pay a really small subscription fee. And then essentially you do not pay for anything unless you really need it. And so this is a game changer for the US where so many people don't have access to healthcare because it's tied to their employer. And also, you know, healthcare is really expensive here. So I think that this is indicative of the whole healthcare industry in the US really shifting to a model that we've seen you know, work time and time again globally. And these startups, which again are receiving huge amounts of VC money, are trying to get around and and progress to the side of a political system that informs the healthcare system that is just going to be very slow to change. So we think this is a really important trend and really one to watch because I think that this is going to just continue for the next decade and beyond. Do you have anything on your trend report that's looking at trends around supplements or anything? Are we going to become obsessed with any sort of new super thing? People are very, very interested in supplements in general at the moment. I think that as soon as the pandemic took hold, many people wanted to try and boost their immunity, wanted to try and boost their health any way possible. You know, I think that the trend around CBD will just continue to grow and grow and grow. People are really still pretty obsessed with it, both ingestible and topical. So Mm. that industry is just booming every single day a new CBD-based startup, I think, launches. However, something (laughs) that we're seeing that's really interesting is People are obsessed, becoming more and more obsessed with sea greens and in particular with kelp. And so this was actually one of our food trends, but really we're seeing people supplement with kelp as well because it's hugely jam-packed with antioxidants and it's incredibly sustainable. So, you know, sea greens are basically grown with no intervention and they are used to feed cattle to make that whole food process more sustainable. We are seeing snacks made from them. We're seeing them on restaurant menus. And we're also seeing various different types of sea greens being distilled down and and put into supplements. So it's interesting. I mean, we know many cultures have eaten kelp and various different kinds of sea greens forever. You know, seaweed is huge in, in many Asian cultures and cooking. And we're really seeing lots of, you know, the US, um, many parts of American culture that weren't necessarily cooking or using sea greens are now starting to. So it's really, you know, to use a very tired buzzword. It really is a superfood. I mean, it's great for you. And I should note that throughout all of our trends, I guess a horizontal movement is that people care more and more and more as they should about sustainability. And so in every single wellness vertical, there is some real advancement or nod to sustainability. 
that's really interesting and I can totally understand why and um I hadn't heard of the kelp before so this is I mean I'm such a consumer when it comes to anything wellness so there I am rushing off after this podcast to my local health food shop to buy yeah I kelp. love it yeah <laughs> some <laughs> um, kelp snacks yes and kelp snacks but that sounds amazing and I totally agree with you in terms of yeah I'm seeing CBD more than ever and I actually tried to create my own CBD brand hilariously in 2016, which really didn't go very well. That was very ahead of the curve. You're probably just a year or two too early. We were, and then we got shut down um, because at the time you couldn't sell, you know, Mm, the the legalization over hemp oil um, because it was so new. But now I think finally people are understanding the researched benefits of CBD, especially in its ability to help with sleep. That's such an interesting point because it's funny because we, and I'm sure you feel the same because you've worked in and alongside this industry for many years. I really thought that CBD was not done, but that people were tired Mm -hmm. of it and that interest was waning. And then when we were digging in, you know, we had CBD on our trend report five years ago and have had various different versions of CBD. And so we didn't include it again this year because it is a trend that just continues to grow but anecdotally so many friends take it for sleep and you know we'll either have cbd gummies or cbd oil or take supplements that are magnesium and cbd compositions to supercharge sleep and it's really interesting and i think as the legalization conversation changes in the us around THC and Mm. kind of weed, the weed plant in totality, I am sure that next year and beyond, we're also going to be talking about products with THC in them because in California where it's legal, huge, there's a shop called Mad Men that's, you know, just sells every form of CBD and THC product ever. There's a couple that have opened in New York in preparation for legalization here, which is you know, happening now. And so it is still an incredibly interesting space. And I don't think it's too late. I think you could revive your company and I'm <laughs> sure it would do very well. I think I, I think I've missed the CBD boat, but thank you for the vote of confidence. You do have a lot going on. I mean, you do have a whole other company, so maybe too much to, to have two. <laughs> um, did psychedelics come up in your yes. research at all? Yes, I love that you asked that. It did, they did. And so this is a very interesting, space because if you look at the trajectory of legalization of THC, it's been slow. And I think the same will happen for psychedelics. However, because of shows like Nine Perfect Strangers or The Bold Mm. Type where psychedelics were part of the storyline, they are really back in conversation. And also studies have been amped up and really lots of major universities have been focused on studying the benefits of microdosing things like psilocybin, ketamine, and lots of different psychedelics. And there is hugely positive research here. People who are interested should check out our trends report because it's got links to lots of the most recent um, research. But this is this could be a game changer for mental health treatment. You know, there's been such an advancement in the way that various different psychedelics are used for therapy, also used for just consistent daily microdosing. And there are a lot of positive signs. And I think legalization will be slow, but various different cities in the US have started to legalize medical 
use for drugs like ketamine and psilocybin. So everything is moving in a positive direction in this space. Yes, I'm absolutely glued to it. Obviously, having been a mental health researcher for a number of years, I think it's going to massively change the mental health landscape. But where I see the problem lying is sometimes in the conversation, the missing link being therapist assisted a psychedelic treatment. Yeah. Um, so all of us just tottering off to kind of find XYZ psychedelics <laughs> may not be what is going to support your mental health. But when you have a therapist to assist a psychedelic experience, that's where the, the research is really showing quite amazing results. It's such an important point. And really any legalization on a city level in the US has been exactly around that. It's been around therapy assisted and exactly to your point, the idea here isn't people going and having a massive trip on their own. It's, Mm. it's really about small doses administered by a medical professional and then, you know, assisted talk therapy. And it's cool. I'm fascinated with it. You know, I am someone who, takes an SSRI and I've had a great experience with it, but not everyone does. And so I think that the more options, the better for people kind of treating mental health conditions. And so, you know, making sure that safety is first is obviously a huge point, but as studies continue to prove this to be safe and efficacious, I think more for it. God, that's exciting. My last interest as to whether it popped up in your research, infrared. Did that Mm. come up at all? Interesting. So in terms of beauty, it did actually. So there is a ton happening in the infrared sauna space at big providers that have existed for a little while now. And I think now that people are safely, hopefully, at least right now, safely able to go back into spas, people are still very, very, very much into infrared saunas. Um, But people are also looking at infrared and lasers for facial treatment and really it's being they're being incorporated into at-home devices that are far more accessible than going into a spa or dermatologist really consistently so a lot of these at-home devices masks and such are expensive as a one-time payment however you then can get a ton of use for them. So it is an interesting space that lots of different beauty brands are leaning into. And what has fallen out of popularity? What really wasn't mentioned or was there anything? We really thought that we were going to have a trend this year about around kind of cell-based protein. So cell-based meat products that have kind of been created in labs. And when our food editor really dug into the research, she saw that there is a lot of conversation about if it really is ethical, if it really is sustainable. There are lots of people for kind of cell-based meat production, lots of people against it. And so it's a debate that we are very interested to watch over the next 12 months, but didn't feel comfortable being able to really lean into and say, yep, this is a huge trend and you're all going to be eating cell-based meat next year. Because really, 
a lot of the hype around this kind of meat production is now being punctuated with some pretty valid concerns. So it's an interesting space. We don't know enough to fall on one side or another right now, but it's definitely something we thought, you know, would be bigger in the coming 12 months, but looks like there is a slowdown there because of this debate. Kate, obviously, we've only touched on a tiny proportion of the wellness report. Where can people find it to read in depth about many different topics? And where can people speak to you or um, just find out more? Yes. So if people go to wellandgood.com forward slash fitness trends, you'll find them there. And if people visit our Instagram at I am well and good, they'll also be able to see kind of, we'll be regularly updating our profile with the different trends as they kind of grow and change throughout the year. Also, we have also have a podcast, the Well and Good podcast, and we are doing three special episodes, deep dives into the trends. And then I can be found on Instagram at Caitlin Elise, if anyone wants to get in touch and know more. Amazing. And we will put those all in the show notes. So it'll be super easy for you guys to access. Well, thank you again. And honestly, I can't wait. Actually, no, I'm not going to wish time away, but I was going to say yes. I can't wait for 2023 turn report. <laughs> but we're not. But like, I wish you a very happy and healthy holidays and great year ahead. Yes, you too. Thank you, Poppy. Thank you for listening. It would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating, subscribing and sharing this podcast. I also would love to hear from you. So please find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram, DM me and I would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss. Download Happy Not Perfect, my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes. It's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs. Sending lots of love and energy. See you next time. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs>